These last few weeks, we have been covering the series of why we believe. And today, we're actually going to continue the conversation by going into the topic of the Word of God. So, to give us a quick recap of what we've learned uh, so far, let's start off with um, the... Oh, okay, perfect. Let's start off with the Bible and what we've learned about the manuscripts. So, so far we learned that the Bible has 24,000 manuscripts about then, which means that these are basically handwritten portions of the Bible. The more manuscripts there are, the more chances of finding error or just things that are wrong. But we've learned that the 24,633 manuscripts, we've only found 90, or we found 98.33% of it to be accurate. Out of all those manuscripts, the Bible is like the same. Um, So thank you, Pastor Jeff, for explaining that. We've also learned that Jesus is a real person and did historically exist and also did historically die. Thank you, Pastor Carissa, for that one. So now we're going to learn on how the Bible as a whole, um, being historically accurate and Jesus being a real person, um, how the Word of God really plays into all of that, into our lives. But before we get into that, would you guys please bow your heads with me and pray? Dear Lord Jesus, God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you so much that you have brought us here, that you have so much to show us and so much for us to learn. God, I just want to lay these words before you, God. I want to pray that you would speak instead of me and that we would all, leaders, students, and everybody in this room will learn something new about you, God, that we may worship you and praise you and just be filled with your joy and your peace. We love you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be reading in Mark 5, verses 35 through 43. But, so you guys can flip there, but we're not going to be getting into it quite yet. So put your finger or a pen or like a bookmark of some sort and mark it down because we're going to come back to it. I am going to share and start off with something that God's been teaching me. The very first point in this message is everything that God is saying or says in the Bible is established. That is the first point. Everything that God says is established. His word never comes back to him empty. Ever. Um, One of the greatest pieces of evidence that we have of this is actually God's prophecies through many people about Jesus' um, existence, even before he was born. So the Bible is split up into two different categories, right? There's like the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And then the Old Testament, it's basically before Jesus was born, there's these people who are are in need of a Savior, and God goes and talks to them and encourages them and promises them with his word that he's going to provide for one. In the New Testament, then we see Jesus arise, and he actually completes all of these prophecies. In total, these promises that God said before anybody even knew Jesus were 61 of them. Do you guys want to hear some of them and then see how they were, like, established? Yeah? Oh, you're awesome, dude. I love you. Okay, so the first one, okay, if you could put place of birth, that's what it looks like. Okay, perfect. So the one that's underlined, the place of birth, that is the promise. 
the one that's right underneath the first ones are always going to be the ones in the Old Testament, okay? Can I get some nods? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so Micah 5.2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, out of you will come one who will be ruler. So that's in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, in Matthew 5, or whoops, Matthew 2, 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, dot, dot, dot. So it just confirmed the first part, which was spoken by the Lord to Micah years ago. Micah, a man who did not know Jesus at all. Um, Yeah, not at all, but he knew God confirmed that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. The next promise is born of a virgin. So Isaiah 7, 14 says, The Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will be with child. Matthew 8, 1, 18. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. So basically, before they got married, um, (laughs) she was found to be with child, which we all, all know that story because of Christmas, right? Okay, next slide, please. Crucified with sinners, that is the promise about Jesus, that Jesus would be crucified with sinners. And then again in Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament, 53.12 says, Because he poured out his life onto death and was numbered with transgressors, Mark 15.27 says, They crucified two robbers with him. So transgressors means basically delinquents or robbers. So it's the same thing. Uh, the next promise is hands and feet pierced. Psalms 22, tw- uh, 16 says, They have been pierced my hands and my feet. Luke 23, says, which is in the New Testament, says, When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. We have one more example, slides of examples. Mocked and insulted. Psalms 22, 7, All who seek me mocked me. They hurled ins- insults, shaking their heads. And again, in the New Testament, it says, Matthew 27, 39, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. Okay, last but not least, Jesus resurrected. Psalms 16, 10, because you, know, you will not abandon me to the grave, I will not let your Holy One see decay. And then Matthew 28, we see the resurrection of Jesus, which confirms that. Again, all of this to say that though these are just a sample of them, there's 61 in total, and all of them were confirmed by the Lord and through Jesus. Um, And why am I telling you this, and how does that relate to the Word of God? It means that God had spoken these promises, these and so many more, to the people as encouragements, and he actually had them come to be. All the 61 promises or prophecies that he had spoken, which would have been impossible, like close to impossible, for us to meet or for anybody to meet, God met them all through Jesus. I want to read you Isaiah 55, 10 through verse 11. And it says, actually, write this one down because this is one of the most encouraging verses uh, for me personally in my life and for you. So if you are in need of an encouragement, please listen up. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, Without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word, this is God speaking, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, 
but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent it. If you have a promise that God has spoken over you, if there's something that you know in your heart, God said this or this or this, God said I'm loved, God said I'm known, God said I'm called to this, or maybe you haven't been spoken to yet or you haven't heard it and you kind of have a question mark in that department, I can guarantee you God will speak and something that he's so faithful in doing is accomplishing everything that is spoken. Whether it's now or tomorrow or later, he's going to do it. If God has called you to be a missionary, maybe it's not going to be right now, but he's going to be faithful to his word because his word never comes back to him empty, like it says in verse 11. So you guys can so hold that near and dear to your heart. God's word goes beyond and is deeper than just the facts. All those verses that I had just read out and all those promises from the Old Testament to the New Testament and back and forth, back and forth, are just examples of or evidence of how the word of God is valid. But it is still, it's so much deeper because it's so alive and real and relational. His word is wanting to reach out to you and wanting to accomplish these promises in your life. I just wanted to explain to you that evidence before we got into the word, before we got into Mark 5, just because as we read this story and as we hear or notice Jesus's words, we can hold true that Jesus, as God, has so much power in the word that he speaks, and therefore we can believe and trust and have evidence in that in our lives. So with that, would you please open to Mark 5, 35, 43. To give you, as you're flipping, to give you a little context on this story, we are kind of starting in the middle of it. So basically, there's this man who was this ruler, and he had a daughter who was dying. So Jesus happened to be in town that day and was walking by, and so he knowing and hearing about all these things that Jesus had done, ran to him and said, Jesus, like, help me. My daughter is dying. I don't know what to do. Please come to my house. And Jesus said, great, that's perfect. I'm going to go with you. I want to help you. But just then, this lady who also needed healing went in and, like, didn't even ask. She just touched Jesus and got healed. And it was this huge commotion because Jesus is like, who healed or who got healed and da-da-da. Anyway, all to say, the man's mission for his daughter was interrupted. Okay? Jesus was on his way and then stopped. And then we find that after this huge commotion, Jesus turns back to the man and is like, okay, let's go back to your house. And so that's where we're picking up right now in verse 35. And it says, while, while he, Jesus, was speaking, there came from the ruler's house, so this is the man with the daughter, ruler's house, some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing, or in other versions it says ignoring, um, what they said, this is Jesus, said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler 
um, of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly, and the child is uh, wailing loudly. Um, and when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Also, he, he rhymed. Jesus could be a rapper, by the way. <laughs> and they laughed at him. Because, anyway, okay, never mind. I was going to say, because he's a rapper. But, and they laughed at him. Sorry, that is not what I meant. What? Sorry, Jesus, you're the best. Um, and they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him um, and went in where the child was. 41. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. I'm going to repeat that verse one more time. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, he said to her, this is speaking, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. Are there any 12-year-olds in this room? Can you raise your hands loud and proud? Ooh. Are there any... Used to be 12-year-olds, now 13-year-olds in this room. Hey. <laughs> 12 is a great age. 13 is also a great age. Let's bring it back. So this girl was one of your peers. Um, hello, boys and girls. Thank you. So this girl was one of your peers. She was the same age. Like, look to your left and look to your right. The people that are around you, besides your leaders would probably look around the age of the person in the story. Thank you. And I'm going to continue the story now. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This brings me to my second point. God's word is historically accurate but it also is life for our souls. God's word can bring your dreams to life. God's word can lift up your hopes, can bring back your joys, can like light up places in your life that you thought were dead. Like areas that you had given up on, if you have anxiety or depression or if you're struggling with something, God's word can speak into those areas of your life that is, is and feels like it's impossible and bring them back to life. Okay? It can strengthen you, bring, it can strengthen you and once again bring you back to life. I don't know if you guys were here last time that I spoke. But I shared the story of when I went through an, a time in my life of joylessness. Yeah, joylessness. I heard that over there. And we, oh, good question. So joylessness means that this area of my life was just broken and sad, and I just couldn't get out, and this gift of joy that the Lord gives us was just completely out of the picture, or at least I felt like it was gone. And during a winter camp, actually, God restored that back to me. But things didn't necessarily get easier. Actually, the things that I thought were most stable in my life started, like, crumbling. But it was in those moments that God led me into his word. 
I started reading my Bible every day, not because someone had told me, not because my pastor was encouraging me to do it, not because my parents or my peers or anything, but simply because I was so broken that I knew that I needed to reach to something. I needed to open the word and read and get one little ounce of encouragement to make it through my day. If I had not read my Bible that day, I felt like I couldn't make it through. Literally, it was just anxiety. It was overwhelming me, even in the midst of joy, which is kind of hard to explain. I remember reaching a moment when I started to realize that I had been reading my Bible every single day for a year, and then every single day for two years. Things that I thought I could never do, he did. And I say this not so that you guys could be like, wow, look at her, or wow, look at me. I say this because um, these two years of my life of being in the word with the Lord daily changed me. It, like, actually radically changed me. God began to speak to me in ways that I've never heard him speak before. He began to open doors that I never thought he could open or anyone could open or I could open. I never, um, he started restoring all the lost things that started to crumble. You know, I just mentioned these things that started to crumble. He started to build them up or give me so much better in return. He spoke promises over me and then accomplished them before my eyes. He made a way for me to be here right now with you speaking. Those two years taught me and healed me and grew me. But it wasn't my own ability. It was just the fact that I gave him a chance. It was just the fact that I opened the Bible and read And his word had life and truth and goodness in it for me to find. And it doesn't mean that life is easy. And it doesn't mean that things won't still die. This girl in the story, she died. (laughs) And things sometimes have to reach these places of ending for God to bring in and breathe in and speak in with his word new beginnings. Yeah. God is so faithful. And we can look at all these facts and we can see all these things and we can use them to defend our faith and found on what we believe and have foundation on what we believe. But we also have to experience them. You know? You can read a textbook about flying a kite, but if you don't actually fly a kite yourself and know how hard it is to find the wind or, like, whatever it is, then you're not going to know how to even teach somebody else. You know? God's word is alive and real and faithful.